all I did was work. I was in my own bubble. But in the lockdown situation, it was the first time for me where I actually got to calm myself down and start to reflect, is this thing that I'm doing actually making the impact in the world that I want to see? Am I happy doing that? And it was actually a bad moment for me where I realized, oh my God, it's not. It was a moment where I realized that the last year for me was just being a machine. I didn't have any emotional connection to the job anymore. All I did was just function and my soul was gone. Hey everyone, welcome back to Real Life Pivotal Moments. I'm so glad you came back to listen, learn and grow from the stories and life learnings of our guests. Today's guest is Kexin Yeh. She's a third culture kid, a female millennial entrepreneur, and she participated in The Apprentice One in Singapore. And I'm super excited for you guys to get to know Kexin. Hi, Shuru. Thank you so much. Very, very excited to be here. Kexin, I'm, I'm truly amazed because there's a strong movement, I feel, nowadays, you know, female entrepreneurial and gender equality and all this stuff is moving to a direction where it should be, I feel. I, I see your Instagram page is getting a lot of followers from young female millennia as well who are truly inspired just by your personality and I would love to go back so the audience has a chance to get to know you as well because not always been like that and it's been quite a journey for you to be the person you are today and so I want to give you the the room to just share your story with the audience and dive into the pivotal moments you have had in your life. Um, but as you already said, right, I wasn't like that always. Um, so I'd like to turn back the time a little bit um, to a few moments that really inspired or influenced me the most. For example, my childhood. I grew up in a small rural town in Germany in Brandenburg. And it was very idyllic. It was very nice. But the problem about that was that my family was the only Asian family. Of course, you know, as a kid, you don't have that mindset of, Someone seems different, someone has another cultural background, so that's different, right? As, as a child, you feel like everyone's the same, but somehow the parents have influenced other children or have also influenced how they viewed me, and that also influenced me, right? The peak of that situation was in the year of 2002 when a SARS had its outbreak, right? So quite similar to uh, today's situation. SARS outbreak was originated in China, and for some reason, the parents told all their children to stop playing with me. And that was very, very hurtful, right? Because the children, they just did whatever their parents told them without understanding sometimes. And I didn't understand as well. No one told me what happened there, right? Uh, no one really talked to me about that. And I remember, for example, one day we were all supposed to hold each other's hands and form a circle. And the children next to me, who, who were actually my friends, they didn't want to touch me because wow. they felt like I was disgusting. Hard, definitely as a kid. That's incredible because you mentioned the SARS piece that happened back in the in the years. I'm, I mean, it's close to the pandemic we have right now with COVID, right? And all the Asian hate crimes going on across globally. And I think many Asians listening to this right now can resonate with this story in so many ways because COVID is labeled as the Asian flu, right? The China flu, as Donald Trump labels it. And there's so much Asian hate crimes going on in, in such a tremendous way. So it's very interesting for to see that you have experiences in your early childhood and you consider this being one of your pivotal moments. Like, tell me more about what happened after. Afterwards, my father decided to move to Berlin. I especially said only my brother, father, and I because we grew up without a mother. So our mother left us when I was just three years old and I haven't had any contact with her for the next 24 years. When we came to Berlin, um, things really started to go bad 
because in the small rural town before, we actually had the advantage of being the only Chinese restaurant, right, in the small town. So that was very interesting. People wanted to go to the Chinese restaurant and have Chinese food. But in Berlin, there's so much competition going on. There's so many Chinese restaurants. And so therefore, my father really, really struggled to keep his finances stable. Actually, it went quite bad for us. So the first apartment we moved in, it was my father, brother, and I in a small bedroom apartment. It was extremely small. Like literally, my brother and I were sleeping on bunk beds, and my father was on a couch next to us. And he would always tell us, you know, Chinese goodnight stories and everything to, you know, to keep the harmony and everything. But that's only something that I realized now looking back because in that moment, I never really felt sad, I guess. I was used to the situation. I never was sad about it. I never thought to myself, okay, why me? Why are the other people luckier than me? I never thought like that. But actually, it taught me a lot. It taught me to, first of all, take care of my little brother because my little brother is two years younger. Actually, I learned to be quite resourceful. So sometimes I would just take out a super old cucumber that was already mushy and just put that into our water cooker and just put on some salt and that was dinner for my brother and I, you know? So uh, I guess you just get along somehow. You just have to be creative, you know? <laughs> How has that experience impacted your, your early adulthood, your teenage life? It has influenced me in a way to just stop bitching, I guess, about life. <laughs> because at the end of the day, you are put in a situation, right? And you can either change it or love it, hate it, leave it, you know, whatever. But you have to be in charge of the situation, like just crying about it, just nagging about it, just telling everyone how sorry you, everyone should feel for you isn't going to take you anywhere in life. You have to make the best out of it. I know it sounds cheesy, but at the end of the day, there are certain possibilities if you just take a good look at it you don't have to stay in that situation life is full of possibilities so there's always a way to change a situation or to use a bad situation to your advantage yeah i like that i mean i'm just curious you know i imagine kexin being what in the early 10 like 8 9 10 years something like that having responsibility already having this courage to take care of a little brother I completely feel what you just shared on on how to live your life in a way how, that you have to own it in a certain way. But being a nine, a 10-year-old kid, owning your life is pretty tough, I guess, at that time. So I'm curious, how has this whole experience has shaped you moving forward? Like your dad taking, like your mom leaving you guys, you just being with your dad. I wouldn't say living in poverty, but not living in the best circumstances, having been bullied in, in Brandenburg about SARS disease. You know, now you are going into what high school, maybe into college. How's that shaped your life moving forward? The thing is, um, I just wanted to stop being a victim, right? Because of course there were moments where I felt sorry about myself, but honestly, what is that kind of brain give you? Like, there's nothing that you can do. Like, what? Does it provide you to just cry about it? Nothing, honestly. It, nothing changes just because you cry, right? I guess I just learned to put my emotions aside and to start thinking logically and to take steps on how to change something or on how to adapt to the situation. I needed to stop being a victim on, in these circumstances, especially because I was the older sibling. My brother was sad already. I couldn't be sorry of myself as well because no one's gonna gonna take care of my brother, right? So I had to be there for him. Of course, I sometimes I was hurtful and sometimes I was, you know, I, I was very hurt. I was sad and everything. But at the end of the day, you know, you just have to get along and just move forward with everything. 
you know, you, you've, you've been growing up with your little brother and your dad. And, you know, obviously your mom left you in a, in a, at a very, very early age. You've been stepping into authority role. So you felt like you're taking on responsibility for your little brother. That maybe shaped you in a way that you are determined, that you are the person who's like, hey, I'm not showing my emotions. I'm trying to deal with that because I have someone I need to take care of. And so how far am I? And has that kind of guided you through your life? I think it has shaped me also into having certain uh, leader characteristics, you know, because for me, a leader is someone who sees a situation but has the courage to move on, right, and take other people along with the way. So that was basically my brother and I. All, my brother came to me oftentimes and he just cried and, you know, he was very sad. But I was told him, you know what, I know that you're sad, but you have to take the situation and move forward with it. Just have the courage, just get along and do something about it. Like crying isn't going to help you in that situation. And that is exactly my philosophy also when it comes to business nowadays and how I approach business or entrepreneurship. There are always things that you can control, but you can control your attitude and you can control yourself what you're going to do with it. So yeah, you're right. Actually, that struggles actually drove me to being ambitious, you know, and to take on life, pale, and just get along and just move on with my life and everything. But sometimes, well, as you said, hiding your emotions, there are two extremes with it, right? You can either be extremely, I guess, overwhelmed with your emotions and the emotions control you, or you can be on the other side of extreme and actually control your emotions so much that you never have the opportunity to show who you really are on the inside. From which extreme did you go to the other? Did you start with the extreme of like the emotions control you to I'm just not showing my emotions at all? Like from which emotions to which did you pivot and what caused you to pivot to those emotions and where are you emotionally right now? When we look at the situation, how I was as a child, you know, um, mother not being here and father constantly working and struggling at the same time, I was sad. I was crying a lot. I was very, very angry at my parents um, because my brother and I were also caught in between the fights my mom and my father had with each other. So I started to be extremely angry. I started to think that life was unfair. I started to think that my mom was a bad, mean person in my life and that I had to hate her because she left us alone. And therefore, my father started to struggle. And therefore, I started to struggle, right? See, this is the situation being a victim. I am like that because of him, him and her, right? Blaming it on other people. That was one extreme. And then when I started to pick myself up and pick my brother up and to tell us, you know, just get shit done, move along, stop bitching, stop crying, I went into the other extreme. Never talking about my problems. Always pretending to be strong. Never letting other people see my vulnerable side. Because I've built up this big wall so I would never be emotionally impacted again. That's also a very, very bad thing because you can feel quite lonely when you never show who you are on the inside. Actually, it was through spirituality I found my way of finding balance and seeing the strong and being sensitive and seeing the sensitive and being strong, you know, the good and the bad, the bad and the good. And that actually led me to me owning my emotions, but also knowing that I am not the victim of my emotions. That is definitely beautiful. And I love that you were able to transition from one extreme to the other, you know, because I think it allows you to really enjoy and get a taste of the bitter and the sweet right and then trying to balance it out and see what's the perfect taste for your for you specifically and what i what i truly admire and i think where most of the audience also struggle with since we're talking about emotions here 
it sounds like you are very self-aware when it comes to your emotions. Like when your emotions pop up, when you are angry, I guess my question is, as an entrepreneur, you have a lot of moments of anxiety, moments of st feeling stressed, moments of feeling sad, moments of feeling uncertain. These are normal and really painful emotions every entrepreneur goes through. And how does a Kexian nowadays who has been moving from one extreme to the other deal with those type of emotions? Walk me through that. Sometimes people tend to feel an emotion so extremely that they can feel it from head to toe and it influences all aspects of their life. They put on that emotional goggle and the whole world is just looked at through these emotions. But it's very, very important to actually see the emotions as just emotions. So just taking out the intensity or the big emotional value out of it and just look at an emotion quite rationally and also objectively um, because when you take yourself out of the situation right and just be present and just be in the moment that actually helps a lot to ground yourself i know it's quite hard to explain because spiritual people will know what i mean right because when you meditate you, you learn to ground yourself and to separate yourself from emotions but sometimes people who don't meditate they can't really understand what it feels like to not be one thing with the emotions is meditation the your tool that helped you detach yourself from your emotions? There were a lot of aspects, definitely, but I think meditation was the biggest teacher for me when it came to controlling my emotions or just, you know, detaching from things because with meditation you learn that nothing really in this world matters because everything is just inside your head. Right? You can just decide one day that you're not going to be sad about it anymore and you're not going to be sad about it anymore because at the end of the day, it's just an emotion and something that we made up in our head. So meditation was definitely a big thing for me. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that you are practicing meditation and I agree that with consistency and with the with the continuous practice of emotions, you definitely are more in tune with the emotions and you are able, more able to recognize it. And I think for many people, just a personal story of me, I think when I started meditating, the whole thing about spirituality and meditation and coaching really became a trend, I feel like. And really many people try those things out, right? They sit down, they, they close their eyes and they try to meditate and, you know, they give up. After 10 days of meditating, they feel like it's not working for me. I'm still sad. I'm still feeling emotional. But exactly what you said, it's, it's, it's the practice, it's the expectations we have on meditation that helps us to detach from our emotions, right? I think, to just put it bluntly, um, I just got tired of my own shit, to be honest. <laughs> I feel like it's, every, every person has, a, has his own click moment in life. For me, it was a big click moment where I just looked at my life and it was a complete mess. Everything was messy. I had no direction. I knew I was, I always wanted to go somewhere, but I never had a straight line, right? It was all just very, very abstract. And I just, and my relationship failed, right? And I was so closed off. And at night, I sometimes couldn't even sleep because I was just living in that chaotic state of mind in a chaotic life. And for many people who have made a big turn in their life, the biggest moment where, where they, you know, where they first started to be extremely bodily honest with themselves. I looked at myself in the mirror and I told myself, who the fuck are you? Who do you want to be? And why are you like this when you want to be like that? I had to change myself and I had to change my approach and I had to start doing something and doing something that made me happy and start the first step of changing my life. And I think many people sometimes are too afraid to do so, to be honest, to, you know, really reflect and to be self-aware and to ask themselves, okay, what do I want and where am I right now? And am I actually happy with that situation? 
Walk me through what got you started into this entrepreneurial journey and what made you pivot into, hey, I don't want to do a nine to five. I'm actually going to be an entrepreneur. And this is how I'm going to start my entrepreneurship. Like, how would you say you found your way to entrepreneurship? I feel like most of the entrepreneurs already know it from childhood on that they're different than other people and that they want to take an approach in life that is quite unusual. The biggest turning moment for me on why I wanted to be an entrepreneur is because I wanted to, first of all, leave an impact in this world. You know, I never wanted to be a part of a system, right, where you're one of 500 employed people and no one actually really knows the name because it's a member of the system. So that's very important for me to taking charge and doing something that has an impact on my life directly and also impact the life of my loved one. So I think I just took charge of me being the people who will ultimately provide one day for all of them. And I knew that's never going to happen in a job where I will get paid, not for my value, but for my time. And second of all, being limited to doing something that maybe I'm not passionate about. So I wanted to do something in this world that I'm passionate about, that I believe in. And ultimately, one day, of course, have the freedom of providing my loved ones with whatever they need to feel safe and good in life. How has this journey started? You talked about, hey, I want to do something that is meaningful. I want to do something that I'm passionate about. I know nine to five is nothing for me because it's not going to serve the vision I have to provide for my family. And I think many people, even those people who are listening, have this desire to become an entrepreneur, to do something that is meaningful, to do something they are passionate about, to escape the nine to five. How were you able to kick off your entrepreneurial journey and find your passion and go through your wiring? The biggest step for me was to do it in a safe haven. The first company that I founded was when I was 15 in high school. Um, I founded a fair trade company where we sold coffee beans and chocolates from third world countries from the farmers. So we um, bought them for a very, very fair price from them and we sold them to a higher price also. So it left us with a small margin for ourselves but a big amount of money for the farmers. So that was a whole idea for the farmers to get the fair wages. And the good thing about that was I was just 15. I, I wasn't high school. I was with my parents. I didn't really have any responsibility to feeding a child. You know, I didn't have a responsibility of paying a month's rent or something like that. And I think that's very, very important for people who want to start off. They have to start early because now is the perfect time. And tomorrow you will never know what happens. When the wave is coming, you have to start surfing. Life is just like that. When the time is right, you just have to go out and do it. That is that is beautiful. So you started with the coffee thing when you were 15. How has that experience helped you move into the entrepreneurship that you are today? It has helped me because I gained out the first experiences with um, other school kids because the company I didn't found it by myself. It was in an extra school activity after school. So it was very, very interesting to just learn how to talk with each other, right? to talk with um certain stakeholders such as the farmers, but also with certain event hosters and just basic negotiation, basic uh, economical skills such as, you know, calculating prices and keeping track of the inventory and keeping track of money and everything. It was the perfect model safe haven. It's a playground for you to experience, right? Exactly, exactly. It's just like a little playground, right? Because um, we did invest money, but it wasn't a lot of money from us because most of the money was from, uh, from school. Right, because it was a school activity. So the school actually funded us with that. So that was perfect, definitely. I think it's fun. You learn some skills, but it doesn't sound like, hey, that, that was your purpose and that was the meaning you were searching for for your life. It didn't fully fulfill me, I guess, in a sense, because I was just 15. But 
it did help people, you know, and that was very, very important to me because I knew, okay, I am going to have an impact on the life of a farmer because these three euros extra for a chocolate bar make a big impact in the chocolate farmer's life, right? For us, three euros is nothing. Even for a child, it's nothing. But for him, it's a lot of money. And that was something where I actually knew, okay, I see fulfillment and I feel lucky when I get to help someone who has been born into a situation that is a lot more worse than mine. So that was a big thing for me. And afterwards, um, the second business that I found was in university, actually, when I was 21. Um, I was studying in the UK and I had the idea of starting an online shop. So I was on vacation in China with my family and they took us shopping out for jewelry and everything. And um, I saw the jewelry and my first initial reaction was, why don't I just sell it in Germany? Because the prices here are so cheap and honestly, it's unfair that people in Germany don't have the possibility to buy things at that price as well. So that was my big moment where I thought to myself, honestly, I can just try it out. It's not a big investment, right? Just, you know, a couple of hundred euros that was okay for me as a 21-year-old student. And I would just buy a lot of stuff, set up an e-commerce website that was quite easy to do. So, you know, come up with the branding and just sell my stuff online via social media. That was the second thing that I had. I read a lot and learned a lot about social media ads, right? Facebook ads, how much money to invest into SEO and all these kind of things. So that worked pretty well, to be honest. Um, but then I have problems with scaling the business because, um, you know, shipping stuff from China to Germany is always a big problem. You have to pay a lot of extra money and that would mess with the price range that I have offered on my website. So I re- thought to myself, you know, maybe that's not the right idea to move along, but it was a very nice experience um, because that was the first time actually for me where I had the responsibility of doing everything. With 15, I didn't really have a lot of responsibility because there were other people and there was a teacher who helped us. But with 21 and seeing e-commerce shop, it was the first time for me programming a website. It was the first time for me coming up with the graphics design, right? It was the first time for me actually, you know, working on my own packaging. It was just me and the tape and the scissors. And I tried to cut everything, right? And make it everything look pretty and everything. And it was a very, very valuable experience for me. That's incredible. And what happened after that? Like you were selling things, you, you weren't able to scale it in a certain way. It did provide you some income. Um, I also love that you overcome your your fear because you were saying, hey, it was just a couple hundred dollars. But for a 21-year-old kid, hundreds of dollars is a lot of money. And I think a lot of people, even, even today, they want to become an entrepreneur, but they're just so fearful investing their money because they're eventually scared to fail and just um, scared that this is not giving them a return on investment, right? And I think just coming back from our first conversation about dealing with your emotions... I think it also requires a certain emotional skill to not let your fear or your emotions overwhelm you to not make the decision. How did that experience, like how did your story continue after this second entrepreneurial journey you have had? Afterwards, I was actually introduced to a friend of a friend who was in the finance industry and they were looking for people um, working as entrepreneurs at that um, insurance business, right? That was actually a perfect moment for me as well because I was looking for an internship for my studies and that was actually a very, very good industry for me, like the finance industry, managerial industry, right? The economic world for me to take an internship in that company was perfect for me. So I started off with that. Basically, I started off with a year's internship being a sales consultant and just doing a lot of back office work also, right? And having um, certain contact touch points with uh, potential clients and everything. 
it is still important to note that everything was done um, on based on self-employment, right? Everything that was built or the acquisition, acquiring of clients and everything was done by yourself, right? So there was no real payment except when you close the deal. So that's what I started doing. After the internship, I actually realized, you know what, I'm actually quite good at it. I like sales, I guess. I am good at talking to people. So why shouldn't I just continue and do that as a side hustle to my studies? Right. So I continued studying and I continued doing the business and I actually earned a lot of money, to be honest. I put in a lot of hard work next to my studies. So I was studying during the day and then like hustling after the studies. Right. And I actually got to one point where I earned so much money that I was actually ashamed of it, to be honest. The billings, they came into the apartment where I lived with my father. And but we were just standing in the kitchen. He was like, OK, that's the money that you get from like literally selling insurance and I was like yeah it is and I felt so bad because I was thought to myself okay the audacity of a 23 year old to earn so much money even though I live with my parents and my father struggled so much um I was very grateful for that of course but uh I guess at some point I felt like maybe I didn't deserve it um, because my father actually deserves it you know but still at the end of the day um it reminded me you know that I was actually doing business for my dad and wanted to be an entrepreneur for my dad that's, I think that's, that's tremendous. Like just having, I mean, you mentioned it as, as you not feeling worthy of the money, but at the end of the day, it's also your good hearted soul of wanting to pay back to your dad. Right. And just him seeing you, Hey, you know, my daughter is kind of doing better than me or in a certain way. How has that moment helped you or shaped you in a certain way? Actually, you mentioned something very good. The limiting relief is a big, big part, right? Because um, I realized, okay, when I forever feel like I deserve money or anything, then it's not going to come, right? The law of attraction says money is going to get into someone's life where it feels welcome. If it doesn't feel welcome in my life, then of course, then it won't come. Well, the thing is, you get used to a certain amount of money and you automatically assume that this is also the value that you have for yourself, right? So when I felt like, okay, I am valuable enough to earn this amount of money, your mindset also shifts, right? But it's very, very important to keep the fine line to being feeling grateful and value and overstepping the line of being arrogant, right? So that's very important to never get over your head and to always stay humble because I was lucky enough to always have my dad in my life to, who reminded me of who I am actually doing that for. But sometimes people can get very, very arrogant when they start earning a lot of money, right? They forget their roots. They forget the reason why they actually started. They forget their friends. They forget their family. They forget the person who they actually were. I think for me, that was very, very important to always have contact with my father and to always be reminded of how we actually started, how we actually grew up, how he came here from China, you know, uh, living in an in a asylum and washing dishes when he came here, right? And how he hustled his way up, you know, being self-employed in a country where he didn't know anyone and not speaking the language. And his story has always been a big, big anxious for me to not, you know, get over myself. On one hand, you want to be humble. You want to be reminded of your roots and what you possess and just keep you humble by thinking of the story your dad went through, one of your big inspiration, obviously. The humbleness should keep you humble, but it shouldn't trap you in your belief that you are not worthy for more or you are not worthy for, for a better life in a certain way. I love the idea and I'd love to learn more about how you deal with balancing those out. On one extreme, hey, I'm super humble. And uh, I want to be in my roots. And the other one extreme would be, 
I'm super, um, I want to shoot for the millions. I am worth 10 millions of dollars and I can do better after those skills and you just shoot for the moon. You mentioned law of attraction and going for the high stars and like welcoming money and attracting money. How do you find the balance of having the mindset, having this feeling of I'm worthy for more, I deserve more, but I'm grateful for what I have and I'm still humble. Um, without limiting myself? Like, how do you set that healthy balance for you in your entrepreneurial journey? I think it's always important to reflect daily on your success, but also on your failure. Because when you look at both things with the same perspective, I feel like this is the perfect way of really seeing, okay, you can achieve this and you have already achieved this and therefore you are capable and you are worthy. But you have also failed at this moment. What have you learned from that? That shows you maybe that you weren't as ready as you thought. So what can you do about that? How can you be ready the next time, right? So it's very important to actually look at both perspectives. Of course, there's a saying that many people actually teach you, like many cultures and everything, right? They teach you to don't take failures so seriously, right? To just scale go over them, to just not think about them, put that in the past. But I actually think that's wrong, to be honest, because there's so much value in failure. You can learn so much from failure. And actually, the moments where I felt the most was the moment where I grew the most also. Because that really, you know, the slap in my face gave me the possibility to actually, you know, calm myself down and to look at everything again, to ask myself, okay, what happened here? How can I better myself? What am I learning from the situation? And how should I move forward from that? Knowing who you are today, that's just been the the rocket ship for who you became today, right? I mean, the journey goes far beyond that. And walk me through what happened after that. The lockdown last year, that was a big moment for me, right? Because we're the COVID situation with year two already, we had, I don't know, lockdown number of 500, I feel like. But in the first lockdown last year in March, I actually got to reflect a lot because I was in a constant state of acceleration, doing a lot. I was shutting myself off for years from my friends and never really had any work-life balance. All I did was work. I was in my own bubble. I was working until, I don't know, midnight in the office. And But in the lockdown situation, it was the first time for me where I actually got to calm myself down and start to reflect, is this thing that I'm doing actually making the impact in the world that I want to see? And am I, luck uh, am I happy doing that? And it was actually a bad moment for me where I realized, oh my God, it's not. It was the moment where I realized that the last year for me was just being a machine. I didn't have any emotional connection to the job anymore. All I did was just function and my soul was gone. Like the passion in my eyes, there was nothing behind my eyes. It was just me working and not being happy anymore. So actually, I am grateful for that, that I understood that living life without passion can actually kill you on the inside. Right. And that was actually the moment where um, I heard of the Apprentice One Championship um, because it was a friend who posted um, the competition that they're still looking for applicants. And because I was in that situation where I realized I can't not passionate about my life anymore, I just went along and I just sent them an application. And half a year later, I started off in this competition. Wow, that's incredible. And you know what I what I love about your story? And I think a lot of people listening resonate with that, even myself, is especially for entrepreneurs or people who have an entrepreneurial spirit who wants to create meaning and do something that they're passionate about is you hustle, man. You hustle so hard that you get lost in what you're doing. In your own words, just functioning. You're so caught up in the operative task that you're trying just to keep, you know, the balls above waters. And then all of a sudden you just 
have a moment, like thank God for COVID. And I think many people have those eye-opening moments for COVID just to pause and reflect back. Is this still serving me? Is this still serving the life I want to create? And and it's exactly these type of moments where we take ourselves back and reflect on our life that turn out to be pivotal moments, right? And I and I think, um, you know, just COVID and you just being burned out and reflecting on yourself and asking yourself, is this still the life I'm trying to create? Is this still the life that I want to live? Is exactly those questions, I guess, we have to ask ourselves more often and zone out in order to be realigned with who we truly want to be and what we truly want to do. And, and I think your story is proof of that. And I really love that. And I'm, I'm super excited. I mean, for those people who are listening and most of my audience are, are sitting in the U.S., Apprentice One Championship is the equivalent of the Apprentice TV show that once used to be hosted by Donald Trump. And I was uh, I was watching it uh, back then. And yeah, it's just a very, very incredible entrepreneurial entertaining TV show. And I'm curious, like walk me through the application process. So the application process was um, a struggle as well. Um, the first thing I did was to fill out a questionnaire on the internet telling um, about my story, um, telling about my entrepreneurial journey and everything, right? And how I grew up also and just wanted to get to know me as a person outside of business as well. Tough questions were asked, right? About a personality, about a business skills, about certain real life moments, how I would react to this situation, how I would react to that situation. Also quite provocative questions, right? You are such a young lady who started off in business. How do you think are you able to be with them on the same level? Why should they listen to you? And then, uh, I think in August, they told me, okay, you know what? If we have another call with you. Please be prepared. It's going to be at 3 a.m. in the morning in Germany. So be prepared. Put on your mic and just shoot for it, right? He asked me, okay, why do you want to be here? And okay, you're in. And that's how the crazy journey started. How has that journey impacted you? Like, what would you say are like two or three major learnings from that show? That would be very interesting to know. The first learning for me would definitely be that whenever you feel like you can't go anymore, you can. Because the special thing about the Apprentice One Championship Edition is the fact that there were business challenges like in the previous Apprentice show, but also physical tasks. Because One Championship is in the MMA industry, right? The sports industry. So therefore, we had sports tasks, physical tasks. And they were tough. They were super tough. I mean, we had tribal finishers, we had professional athletes, professional MMA people who were all candidates and we all participated in the same physical task. And there were moments where I really felt like, oh, fuck, I can't go on. Like my body is not taking me a centimeter further and I will collapse every single second. But the thing is, you work in teams, right? And the apprentice, when you surround yourself with type A personalities, the vibe is something different. It is a whole different vibe. When you are together with people who all want to win, who are all A personalities, because none of us wanted to give up. Because imagine five people being on the team and you're the only one who gave up, right? How would you feel? How would the team feel about you? You would disappoint your team and you're not ready to disappoint your team, right? So that actually shows you in the real life situation. When you surround yourself with the right people, you don't want to disappoint, then you are going to be a winner. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to be the loser who gave up. So that's a big learning uh, to always go on because your body can achieve it. And the second learning is... Before you go to the second learning, what is it? You mentioned an A-type of people. What is an A-type of people for you? A-type personality is someone who knows that life and success is achievable and is achievable by yourself because you can do it. Like you can impact your success in life and impact 
your fate in life. That is a A-type personality. But it takes a lot more than that also. I think someone who has an A-type personality is also who is abundant, I guess, in, in love and in support and who never feels like other people are competition, but who's actually there to support other people because he knows life is full of possibilities and everyone has their place in this world and I don't have to feel attacked by someone who's successful because I know his success can also be my success and it's just a perfect example of you know success being achievable. That's an A-type personality for me. I love that. I love that. What's your second learning from that? The competition really, really showed me again what it means to be passionate about something, right? Because we we didn't sleep in between business challenges. The episodes come out weekly, so therefore we talk about certain weeks so that the audience thinks that, you know, there were a, there was a week in between a business challenge, but there was it was literally us going from one business challenge to the next business challenge to the next business challenge and not sleeping in between the days. I think I had 30 minutes of sleep a single day or like two hours of sleep, uh, like working from 5 a.m. call time for 5 a.m. We worked the whole day until 3 a.m. in the morning and the next day was 5 a.m. call time again. But we had to function and that was only possible because we're so passionate about it and we all wanted to swim and it was just a general rushing through our body. So sleep doesn't really matter, honestly. Like sleep is for the week. We just want to win this thing. We're so passionate about it and that's actually something that really kept me going and that really sparked the fire in me that I learned, okay, I never ever want to do something again in my life that I'm not passionate about. Because when you live your life without passion, it's like you're a plant who doesn't get any water, you'll just die. That is such a big learning. And just listening to you for the last two minutes when you're sharing that, your passion really came through. And I just want to for summarize for those people who are listening, three key learnings that you shared that I want to emphasize on. I think number one learning is that when you feel like you want to give up, whether it's in your physical exercise and whatever you do, you only reach 20% of your potential. I think the second thing as a learning that I'm taking away that is, that is beautiful is that you should do something you're passionate about, like passion, passion, passion. And I, I can't emphasize this a lot. A lot of people right now, even me on social media or, you know, people starting entrepreneurial journey like you with your insurance is in our pursuit for money, meaning or whatever. We sometimes lose our passion. And so what and I love the quote that I once hear from one of my mentors is when you do what you're passionate about, that's the last day you, you actually worked in your life because, you know, you basically everything you do is, is, is something you would do um, with the cameras off. Right. So do what you're passionate about. This is the second learning I'm turning and taking away from what you just shared. And the third thing is your community, the people you surround yourself with. It's exactly what you said. Just like, hey, you are with the eight types of people, the people that lift you up, that just boost your energy, boost your confidence and compare it to the Kexine who is in high school and feeling completely intimidated. So yes, there is a certain degree, and that's my, my personal belief, there's a certain degree of spirituality and you being centered and, you know, being this hustler and, and confident person. But when you have a community that supports you in your journey, like this energy exponentially grows. So instead of you taking on the energy to work against your environment, whether it's in not supporting family or friend or loved ones, you now have energy that is bundled and growing exponentially. And I, and I love how you were given the chance and opportunity with The Apprentice One to experience those three things that so many people are just able to witness through YouTube videos, through books, 
but never actually are able to experience themselves by going through it. And you actually being able to go through it is, man, it's a $15,000 course, at least that's worth the experience. And so I'm, I'm super happy as a friend that, you know, you were, you were able to go through that. And I'm so curious, you know, now that the apprentice one is obviously over, what's your next step and how do you feel? I feel extremely, extremely empowered by the experience that I went through with uh, the Apprentice One Championship Edition. I think the biggest thing that I learned also about myself is that I can trust myself all the time because I will never let myself down. Because honestly, it's so important for myself, you know, for my own feeling and for my own trust in myself that I go through what I told myself I will go to. That's a big, big thing for me. So I now learned that I can do so much more actually than I expected of myself. And that's actually a new relationship that I have with myself that makes me so confident that I now know, okay, the world is my oyster and I can go out there and take on the world because I deserve it. And I know that I can. Wow. Kudos to those last sentence you just, you just shared. I would love to sum up this episode with summarizing not just the apprentice one, but just Kaxine, um, her entire life. Like, what would you say are, are two or three things that the audience can take away from your pivotal moments and your, and your story? So the first thing that people hopefully will take away from this is that you are never, never defined by your past and that you're never stuck in a certain situation. You have all the power, all the means, all the possibilities to change the life that you're currently in and shape it into a form of life that you want to live. Having a positive outlook on life and having a positive relationship with yourself is a big, big thing for everyone to be successful. And I think I would also like to give your listeners just a little mantra. I hope it will help them. But I live by the mantra by supporting those who support you. Always support those who support you. That is a big, big thing for me. Life and success can be shared and that we can all reach our goals together, working together and instead of working against each other. So anyone who is looking for a community, just reach out to people, honestly. And I bet you can reach out to Shu anytime. He will always talk to you with warm arms, right? And it's the same for me. You can always reach out to us. And if you need any help from certain communities, just go out there and, you know, just talk to them. They're always there for you. Hey, I love that you have been enjoying this episode so far. Are you looking for a coach or an accountability partner who can help you turn your low moments into your real-life pivotal moments? Then please, please, please reach out to me at lukewshu at gmail.com. It's lukewshu at gmail.com. I'd really love to get to know you. Now let's get back to the episode. And talking about reaching out to each other, where can people find you on the social media and, and through online? So my biggest social media platform is Instagram. That is at Kixine <laughs> Awesome. Hey, Kixine, you're truly amazing. I'm, I'm inspired by your story. And I'm sure that many listeners are equally inspired as I am. And I wanted to thank you for you know sharing your story so vulnerably. And uh, it was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, Drew. I enjoyed talking to you a lot. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for listening. It would mean the world to me if you take just one minute to leave a review and comment if you haven't done so. It helps the podcast grow and improve. I always love to connect personally with my audience to learn more about your story. So please feel free to shoot me an email at lukewshu at gmail.com. It's lukewshu at gmail.com. I appreciate your time and investment and can't wait for you to join us in the next upcoming episode.